Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and every live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wayne Liu. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. We have literally just come back from the Messiah Jerry press conference, um, which took place finally uh, after the news this morning that uh, Nick Nurse has been let go, uh, has been fired as uh, head coach of the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors obviously will need to find a new head coach, first order of business before a very, well, we'll see. It's a very important offseason. We'll see how many changes I've made. But uh, Alex, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. You know, obviously the news came down this morning that after 10 years with the team, five years as, as an assistant, five years as head coach, including a championship, coach of the year award, Nick is out. What was your, I know we've talked about this a lot in, in the last couple of weeks, kind of speculating about Nick, whether he was moving forward with the team. What was, what was your reaction initially hearing the news? Yeah, like I, like I said, I wasn't surprised that he was going to get let go. Um, I think that was not just based on what we saw in front of the camera. We, we talked about his comments before that Philly game, which were unprompted. Um, but it was also in part just because of um, the conversations around the team. Like that, it felt pretty clear that the direction of this was going to take. Now, of course, I think the one wild card was um, it's hard to predict Masai. It truly is. But I think um, having gone through this process where, you know, he talked about having meetings with Nick throughout the week. Um, he arrived at that conclusion um, that he needed to let him go. And they had a meeting this morning, apparently, sort of, you know, parted ways. Um, and I, I think, you know, in, in thinking about it, the big key takeaway from this whole thing, and I think that kind of saddened me hearing it live, was just like Masai talking over and over again about the, the lack of accountability and the culture that has gone. And I think that that's something that, you know, obviously in sports we see wins and losses, but I think um, the unseen portion of that is sort of the culture that goes into what defines an organization, right? I mean, we, we make jokes about heat culture or Spurs culture or whatever, right? Because it's, it's hard to see culture. But I think when, you, when there isn't that culture, when that, that's gone, you start to see those gaps. And I think that was sort of the one thing Masai wanted to highlight. And you know what? That, that's, that's a big part of the job of a head coach. Right. And so um, he was let go. I, I don't I don't think this makes Nick a bad coach. I think we know what Nick can do tactically more than anything else. But, um, you know, it, it sort of have come time to sort of uh, move on. And uh, I'm curious to see sort of who the next option will be. But no, this was not a surprise. I mean, I think we we, we made that pretty clear on the show. Yeah. And I think just processing the, the actual firing today and thinking about, you know, Masai's comments in the presser, which we're definitely going to get to. You know, this does feel like uh, an end of an era for this team too, right? Because I think when you look at, you know, the buildup to, to the championship in 2019 and, you know, coming off Kawhi leaving and then you look at the team trying to rebuild itself and, and retool with some of the players that were on the championship team, obviously bringing in a younger guy like a Scotty Barnes and then having Nick as really the main holdover from there to try to just reestablish that culture like you mentioned we lost so much of that this year, right? Yeah. Like, like we yeah. lost so oh, much yeah. of that this year. Like, remember the excitement of last year? You know, there wasn't a lot of expectations on the team, and they were able to win 48 games. And really, there was a lot of optimism coming into this season. Mm -hmm. And Masai talked about this too, right? Like, slowly throughout the season, you saw the things he rode. You know, he acknowledged that, you know, he felt like things might have started going wrong early in the season during a road trip to New Orleans and Brooklyn, and this was when it was reported that Masai had to come in, you know, sit down with Scotty, probably talk to the rest of the team as well. And we know that Masai and Nick had conversations throughout the season. 
you know, to me, just zooming out, this just does feel like it kind of caps a particular era for this team. And now we're really moving forward. I mean, I, th- I, I think maybe in a sense that, that that's what it captures. But to me, I'm not completely sold. Like, I actually mm. do think that part of this is also uh, Masai wanting to sort of recapture what made that run. Um, not just obviously uh, in terms of the championship and obviously having, you know, championship caliber players. We, we can agree that the Raptors don't have enough of those right now to contend. It's, they didn't even make it out the play-in, let's be honest, right? Um but I do think that more than anything else, you need to build that culture first. And I think that that's when you look back on this era, right? Kyle, DeMar, Dwayne Casey, like guys like this, like establish that kind of culture. And ultimately, they need to make significant upgrades. And Nick was an upgrade, tactically speaking. Um, and, and that led to a championship. But you really can't do anything without that culture here in the first place. And I think that, yeah, I mean, my, my biggest thing is just thinking about accountability more than anything else, right? And I think that was Nick able to hold players accountable? Like when you watch the style of play on the court and the decisions made by the players and the shots that they made or the times that they didn't get back on defense, did it feel like to you there was a sense of accountability? Because to me, that was clearly not there. And I think that that's such a big job in terms of not just coaching, but even just running an organization, period, right? You have to have standards. You have to hold people accountable to those. And there has to be part of the accountability is you take minutes away, you take roles away, and over the course of the season, I didn't really see tangible improvements in some of those fronts. Masai talked about, you know, in the last press conference, because I was thinking about it, you know, because it was called today. So I listened back to his trade deadline press conference last night, and he talked so many times about, you know, selfishness and how much that has to sort of be rooted out of the team. I think he was sort of already speaking about it then. And it, it's sort of full focus right now. And I think that, that, look, they're not just expecting the next coach to come in and bring everything. I think that'd be naive. Right. I think a lot of that accountability comes back to Masai and and the front office himself. Right. I mean, like, ultimately, he is the biggest boss in the room. And I think that when you think about improving accountability, like there has to be some of that from him as well in terms of like, you know, him talking about which which players sort of like will sort of fit with this identity that they want to get back and which ones they won't. And, you know, you would actually have to see tangible moves. Right. Relating to players coming in and out. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the Nick firing wasn't too surprising based on all those factors. I do feel like towards the end, he was starting to get paranoid as well about his job. I mean, it, it's I think that was clearly validated when he publicly talked about it um, before that Philly game. Masai, you know, called it a mistake. Um, you know, he said that the timing wasn't ideal. I mean, that's all the stuff that we all you know, said on this program. It was pretty clear what he was doing there. But I think to me, it was just like he was kind of paranoid. And I think when you look back on this era of like, you know, this specific season. I don't think it defines Nick as a coach. I think he'll have no problems finding the next job. But I do think that, you know, um, it wasn't the finest job um, by Nick this season. You know, even hearing throughout the season that, like, you know, assistants were, when they were on the road, like, looking for opportunities. Like, hey, you got any openings? Like, they knew, like, changes are coming, right? And, you, you know, you think about, you know, the level of involvement that assistants were able to have with the players. I think Nick even built up a wall between that and sort of really centered it upon himself. And I think that's that's all signs that I think that there was so much pressure that went into the season, um, and I don't think Nick handled it well, and ultimately he moved on. I don't think it defines him as a coach. Again, I think his legacy here is very clear. He won the Raptors a championship, um, you know, and that, you know, in terms of innovative tactics and schemes, he will always be known for that, and that's what's going to get him hired the next place. But I do think that from what I've learned of the situation, and I'm sure that, that that's that's only a little bit of what's going on, people have to t- factor in the people aspect of the coaching position as well. 
And I think that that's for the next coach for the Raptors to come in. They need to establish more discipline, more culture, more accountability, and set pretty clear, defined roles for everybody moving forward. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see where Nick lands, you know. I, I hear Houston is nice this time of year. Um, <laughs> yeah, but- Woj already reported that Nick Nurse is going to be a, a serious candidate Got you. for the job as, as Tillman Fertitta interviews the entire basketball world. Mm-hmm. And it's already been mentioned that Ime Udoka is going to be a serious candidate here in Toronto. Yep. And he's also interviewing for the Houston position. I thought some of the things you mentioned, too, uh, was interesting because, you know, Michael Grange, who's been reporting on the meetings that were taking place over the past week between, you know, Masai, the front office, and Nick, you know, pointed out some of the the sticking points in those discussions. And it's some of the things that you brought up. You know, one of them was a desire for more structure and accountability. Another one was a playing style that, you know, yielded intended results but was overly taxing given the minutes for the starters and created problems in other areas and also a lack of bench development. Um, out of those things, like, what sticks out to you when, when you're looking at you know, what you're asking for from from the head coach, like where Nick fell short in those areas, right? I mean, I think a lot of it, like when we really think about it, right? Like um, in terms of this organization, and and we know this about the Raptors, but like this is the development is the lifeblood of this organization. And, And part of that is, do you draft the right people to come in? And I think on that front, the front office really does need to take more accountability on that front. Like, you know, the, aside from Scotty, like, who are the can't-miss prospects that they've really brought in the door and we're really excited about, right? Um, obviously, drafting lower um, has sort of influenced that, but ultimately, like, you know, we've seen them have lots of success drafting from low positions, right? So did they do the right job of bringing the talent in? And I think the rest of it is sort of like, were there enough opportunities carved out for these young guys to um, take the next step? Because if the Raptors don't develop, they will die as a franchise. We know that, for, you know, free agency is not a, a factor for the Raptors. Like, we're talking about free agency as, like, we're signing Otto Porter. You know what I mean? So you clearly need to develop and grow those players. And I think that's first and foremost the ethos of not just every Maasai team, but specifically here in Toronto, just based on the realities of the situation in terms of how we can add talent. Um, I think in terms of, like, adding accountability and things like that to the structure, I mean, like, it, it's – it's kind of sad. I mean, Masai kind of talked about it a little bit as well. But, you know, when you hear about, you know, hey, how was, uh, you know, what, what are the players like behind the scenes? And, like, how do they get along as a group? Quiet bus rides. You know what I mean? Like, guys coming to practice 10 minutes before and leaving right afterwards. Stuff like that. Where it's like, there has to be an accountability of, like, how you work and how much it's important to actually come in here and deliver the results on the court. And I think that, you know, if there are certain guys who are growing on that front. The guy I definitely don't question you know, is is a guy like Pascal, right? But, like, how much do you really expect these leaders to sort of blend down and, and sort of let the other guys sort of follow in their positions? And I think that those are all factors that really, to me, it's just disappointing to hear as, as, as someone who obviously covers the team, but, you know, obviously my bias is on the table. Like, I clearly love the team, and I really, really enjoy the product. And I think when you hear some of that stuff and you hear about sort of how they don't get along or not even how they don't get along, that's not really fair, but, like, you know, like, is, is that culture of working there for them i mean i think that that's something that i didn't have to question in the past i kind of just took that for granted you know like i didn't have to worry if the bench mob was putting in hours i knew they were you know and i and you could see that on the res- the results on the floor and you could see all these guys sort of grow into bigger positions you know 
Um, you, obviously, you see what Fred has become. You see what Pascal has become. You see what even Norm, right? What He had a 40 ball last night. Right? That's amazing, mm-hmm. right? Like these guys were all unheralded prospects who came in and really, really took that accountability of working and getting better. And I'm wondering, like, where is that next generation for these guys and sort of who are the coaches who are going to put that in? And also, honestly, it comes back to Masai as well. Like accountability, is, like, falls at the top, not at not in the middle. Ultimately, like a coach, no matter how like strong you can bring a coach in or how strong of a figure you can have, we know that that's not the, the main guy. He doesn't sign the check. You know, this is an interesting business where players make way more than anybody else, um, and but they're accountable to, you know, a coach who ultimately decides their minutes, but, you know, really they're accountable to the to GM and, and, and the front office. And I think that that's where, you know, when Masai's looking at ways to improve accountability, that's more on him. How much are you around? How much can you really put the foot down and say, well, you got to work hard and all that kind of stuff if you're not physically there? So I, I think this is a big, like, reckoning for everybody. Like, yes, you fired the coach. This is not going to solve all the problems. This is probably one way to improve a problem. I really do think that an upgrade could have been used there. I think a different voice, a different approach could really change things. But I think it, everyone needs to be really close, closely evaluated. Yeah, no, so. I'm completely with you. And I think on the point of development, too, you know, I think that's, like, the biggest topic for me in terms of accountability beyond the head coach, right? Like you look at the front office and then the players that have been brought in the last two to three years and, you know, Nick was in a way he was hamstrung, you know, based on the roster that he was given and like development so much is about the front office, you know, being able to evaluate, identify talent, like giving your head coach the right pieces. Like I know we talk so much about just like the backup point guard position as this whole discussion about even Jeff Down Jr. coming to the end of the season. Like, if you're a solidly built roster, like, those are not conversations that you need to be having during the season. And it's like, I think about Masai, too, at the trade deadline, talking about, you know, needing guys to, like, Malachi Flynn and even Delano Banton, like, needing to play more. Like, setting aside how we see them as players and whether, like, you know, you expect them to develop. I just feel like there was some disconnect, too, I think, in, in how the front office saw the roster and how the head coach saw the roster. I think it's interesting now, now that you remove Nick Nurse, it's like, how does the front office see this roster now in terms of, because Masai talked about today that like everything is on the table and that he does, you know, anticipate making changes. You know, I I think that is, that accountability falls squarely on the front office here because he's got to give whoever the new head coach is enough pieces here to to win because a new head coach isn't just going to come in, I don't think, and and take this roster as it is mm-hmm. and be able to take it to some other level that Nick Nurse couldn't have. Well, this is where I would disagree because I, I think that um, you, obviously the, the players here right now are, are not a championship contending core. I don't even think that, you know, there's any guarantee that this group as is even wins one round in the playoffs given what the top of the Eastern Conference looks like. Okay, best case scenario. But I do think that there's clearly evidence that this group can do more than what they did this season. Look no further than last season, right? And you can say, well, they got lucky or they overachieved. I'm sorry, but isn't that part of the job of the coach to bring that out of them, right? And I think that's where accountability needs to come in, right? Or we talked about, besides specifically talked about, okay, that that New Orleans game and that Brooklyn game um, they started to look fishy. You know what happened on those road trips? 41 points in the first quarter, both games. That's accountability. That's not, that's not like, oh, it was a bad matchup. That's not whatever. That's like guys weren't ready to play. And that wasn't like... November, maybe early December. Yeah, November, December. And I think that's a really good point too because then you look towards the end of the season. Yeah. And you look at the the 77% from 
first half from Philadelphia. Sure, yeah. The that, way that they came out about Boston, if you track it throughout the rest of the season, like the, the whole season, like there was no tangible improvement on that front. That's the disappointing part. Right. And, and again, like yeah. at, at some points, you as the coach needs to step in and really get to these guys. And I, that's what I'm wondering. Like, it's not like Nick wasn't yelling at these guys. Nick yelled at these guys plenty, right? But was it still getting through to them? Right. And I think that honestly, from what I understand, around December, the message is already starting to be tuned out by a large majority. And that's, I mean, like, that, that's where, again, like, it's not too surprising in retrospect in terms of the results. I think we all hoped that they would gel and they'd grow and they would, you know, make that push. And we kept being on the show every day being like, the Raptors are only a three-game win streak away. Like, we weren't trying to sell that idea. We were just sort of like, I don't see why this couldn't happen. But, like, ultimately, yeah, I'm not surprised that a new voice needed to change. And I do feel like, does that affect sort of um, the buy-in of certain players now that a new coach is in, in this position, right? And, and because, you know, I think to me, like... I'm, I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much buy-in, like, for a lot of the players towards the end that happened. Like, when Nick made his comments, everyone was pissed. You know? Yeah, and it was it was widely reported, right? The players weren't happy. You know, Masai... You don't even know that reported. Like, yeah. it, it, it's I, common I, sense. And yeah. I think Masai said, too, to today that the timing wasn't great of, of Nick Nurse's comments, you know, in the presser before the Philadelphia game. And I think the one thing you're speaking to, too, is just the players needing to have more accountability too. Sure, sure. Because You're right. if you were talking about a team that overachieved last season or however you want to frame last year, you know, they clearly went the other way this season. And I think it's still very eye-opening for, you know, your general manager or chairman, whatever role Masai is in now, to, to come to the presser in the middle of the season of the trade deadline and basically just say that the whole team has, there's a lot of selfishness. But that's, that's on- permeating through the team. Right? Sure. Sure. And uh, I think part of it is on the coach. I get that. Yeah. But part of it is like on these indi- individual guys yep. who've all clearly spoken about wanting bigger roles, who mm-hmm. clearly view themselves in in a particular way. Talk about a player like Fred, OG, all these guys who want the roles in this league. Well, none of you guys were able to come together and make anything happen this season. Yeah. And I think Messiah talked about that too. It's like, you know, like individual players took steps forward, but the team didn't. And I think that's where it's going to be very difficult to assess, like, okay, how do you move forward, right? Uh, or maybe it's just a fit issue. Um, but again, like, that's where the focus f- firmly is now. It's on the front office. Like, yes, I don't think Nick did a great job with the, the the team this season. No, I don't think Nick was handed a championship-winning roster and he fumbled it to this degree where they're 500 and missed a play-in, right? But I, I do think that this was the necessary move. Now the front office needs to be put under the microscope in terms of who are they going to replace him with? Because let's be honest, even though, you know, we can say that, you know, Nick didn't do this or Nick didn't do that or he got a little paranoid or whatever, like, ultimately, he was really damn good at the tactics. Like, there's nothing you could take away from him on that front, right? And so, you know, the next coach is going to have a pretty high standard to even meet, first and foremost. Um, and then it's it's about the front office making subsequent decisions to the roster. Again, accountability is is like a fun word until you actually see, like, consequences you can't have accountability without consequences right and consequences in this case means players moving on players being shipped um and and so Masai can you know give this whole speech and talk about it here today and i thought he did a great job of restoring some level of faith and i think that that's a big part of his job is to sort of sell the faith and the image of the team and i think he correctly identified a lot of the issues that i think for a lot of people watching the app is closely you could see that 
but now it's on him to solve it. Like, you, you, you can't remember that. You can't forget that he is ultimately where the buck stops. You know what I mean? And Nick is short. Like, he, he's short of that, right? So we'll, we will see what they do. We will see what they do. Yeah, I think it's interesting. So, like, you know, we have a couple of clips here from Masai's presser. And, you know, one of the things that he did say in terms of accountability, you know, he did say there's no pointing the finger at Nick that, you know, he has to take responsibility for this as well. And talking about how just this whole year just didn't feel like the Raptors. He said this just wasn't us. And here's what he had to say, uh, summing up the, the his feelings about this season. Uh, sometimes we almost have to like validate the championship we won you know like that's how much we have to win here and I believe that we're going to win again in Toronto yeah I feel strongly about that um, uh, but to watch us play this year was not us I did not enjoy watching this team play yeah and I think throughout the press throughout the presser too you know he talked a lot about just complacency and like a selfish that that seeped in and to be honest like just hearing these things these are very harsh harsh truths about the team sure and it's i don't know man it's just disappointing to hear man because like this these are not the things you come to know about the raptors organization like they're clearly they have to do some kind of rebuilding just internally yeah or at least you know you bring in a new coach he sets very very clear standards and if people fall short of that there has to be consequences players get moved players get minutes taken away or you know, timeouts are called and, and they, they root out a specific thing that wasn't executed. Like, I'm not saying the Raptors need the best behavior next season. I mean, ideally that would be the case, but we know that that's just not realistic of professional franchises nowadays. Like, no one's going to be perfect all the time, right? That's not realistic of anybody. But I think in general, like, there needs to we need to see that sort of tighten up, that improvement. Um, you know, even Fred talked about it, we need more structure. Like, or we, we need, like, a new identity, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, that's that's pretty damning, man. And I gotta say, like, and for coming from Fred too, like, that's like, must that's that was like Nick's probably the guy that was not closest with Nick, but like probably maintained the best relationship with Nick. Yeah, and, and for him to say that, that's pretty damning. No, I thought Fred's um, thinking back to just Fred's presser. Like, he did say a lot of these things, right? He talked about how you just can't learn from osmosis just because we won a championship, you know, and and you know this is a brand new group now, and he mentioned too that they have to make a decision on their style of play mm-hmm. and that was mm-hmm. consistent with what Masai said today too you know when talking about the new head coach you know he said that it's really important who we're going to bring in has to convince us of a good style of play that we think will fit and you know he talked about that being a key and he also talked about you know it, here's what Masai talked about um in terms of you know what changes that you know when he's looking at internally yeah many things look at the roster you know like maybe in a in a in a different way you know, I think um, um, we have to f- we have to figure out like shooting on this on this roster in some kind of way. Um, we have to figure out uh, who fits and and who doesn't fit. You know, like I think uh, on the overall, um, maybe um, manage people better. You know, um, and. Uh, maybe see things a little bit deeper, you know, like because when I, uh, when we hire people, you know, like I, I let them do their jobs, you know, like uh, that's that's been a strength of ours, you know, like the last um, ten years here, you know, like but I pay attention now, like to be a, a little bit more. Yeah, on the roster construction thing, I know you asked Masai too about like his takeaways from kind of the Vision Six Nine build the, the last couple of years too. 
you know, to me, that's like an exciting thing that came out of this presser is is some of the acknowledgement to, to have to look at roster building mm-hmm. in this different way, right? Because they have been very entrenched in a way of, of wanting to build a team out a particular way. And I feel like there is going to be some flexibility now going into the summer. Yeah, I mean, it, it, was, ref- it was refreshing to hear Masai talk about the need for shooting. Um, I even asked him explicitly because I, w- I really wanted to hear it on the record if he believes that shooting is a developable skill or do you need to bring in players who have already demonstrated a track record of being able to shoot? Because I think to me at times watching the roster build, that wasn't clear, right? And even the way the Raptors have built the roster in terms of like, you know, okay, maybe you can structure it in a different way, but that's where I don't necessarily blame Nick so much about like, what, what, what was he supposed to do with the offense at times, right? We have two guys who can handle the ball, three guys who can handle the ball in um, Scotty, Fred, Pascal. We have um, realistically three guys who can shoot the three at a good level. Like I'm looking, I'm, I'm doing my 10 things piece um, on the season. And one of the big points is about shooting. Like the Raptors were 26th in catch and shoot threes made this season. They were 26th in three-point percentage on catch-and-shoot threes. They, the league average of the season was 37.7% from three. The Raptors had one person in OG Anobi who was over that mark, and he was at 38.7. That's like basically average. So we're talking about the entire team was below average from three. And you can say, well, Fred shot below his season averages, you know, typically be better than that. Or like Gary took a step back from last year. I'm not as interested in that. I'm interested in the fact that the whole team was below league average. In yeah, basic. Right? So it's like those things just, to me, that's where if we're talking about accountability, it doesn't stop with Nick. It stops with Masai. We need to be very clear about this. This is about Masai. This is not necessarily about Nick. Today was about Nick because he got let go, and we already detailed all the reasons. And again, I don't want to say, like, now it's all solved because he's gone. But now the focus is on Masai. And look, listen, he's got a track record where he's been able to bring successful franchises. You know, he's obviously delivered a championship. You know, he's done it at multiple spots as well. So I have faith in Masai. But at the same time, when I'm looking at this roster right now, there are clear needs that need to be filled. And I think that, you know, that also extends in the free agency. Which of these guys are you bringing back? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, if we're talking about, like, you know, selfishness is an issue, are you bringing back Gary? Are you bringing back Fred? You know, like, I... Those are all those are all factors that really go into it. Yeah, and I think the key guy that you're looking at in terms of building the roster ahead and even looking at who you want the new head coach to come in and really build a strong relationship with, I think Scotty's at the center of all of it, right? You know, they they drafted him last year at a rookie of the year season. And, you know, Masai also talked about how this was a this was a learning learning curve season for for Scotty, right? Like he had to figure out a lot of stuff and, you know, there was a storyline and it was reported that, you know, Scotty maybe didn't work out, you know, as hard this past summer. And, you know, Messiah addressed that too, saying that this summer has to be different for Scotty compared to last summer. And the questions were also asked about whether Scotty meshed with the more experienced guys in, in the room. And you can just read between the lines the more experienced guys start with Fred and Pascal. Um, and Messiah acknowledged that, that while there are high character guys in the locker room, these are the conversations that are fair to ask when you have a season like this, right? So I think I think it's in a very important summer too for, for Scotty and for the organization to look at, at least in the shorter term here, like what is that roster going to look like? Because you are in a way looking at building around a roster with him as a very important piece too. Yeah, here's what I want to say about that. Um, people don't necessarily need to like all love each other and like each other in the locker room. They don't need to all hang out with each other and all that kind of stuff. I don't care if they 
you know, there, there are groups, you know, like that's any organization. There's groups here at Sportsnet, you know what I mean? There's groups at any workplace, okay? What makes a workplace strong, especially in, in this context, is does everybody respect the work and does everyone put in that work? And I think that to me more than anything else matters. Like I, I actually don't really care if they hang out or not, right? But, you know, are they all on the same page when it comes to what's the main goal and are we all working towards it? You know, and I think for me, it's like what Masai also said. He literally said, like, we have to remind us that Scotty's 21 years old, right? Yes, we are really excited that he won Rookie of the Year. Yes, we've seen flashes where it's like, I want to see that from Scotty over and over again. Like the Scotty that we saw against, I don't know, uh, the Grizzlies against Jaron Jackson Jr. when he hit two baseline jumpers to win the game against the Defensive Player of the Year. I want to see that all the time, right? We all agree on that. And that, I think, even comes down to the organization itself. But I also think we are putting way too much pressure on that kid this quickly. I think that's what Masai really wanted to say to us is, like, he's 21 years old. What were you doing when you were 21? What was I doing when I was 21? I did not have all the things figured out, especially in this context when you're in a super public place. When you have, And there's a very specific way in terms of how NBA players work and they train. You really only learn that after going through that process. And would, it blame, would you blame anybody in that scenario when you are 21 years old and the entire world tells you you are the man and you are this and you are that and you have millions of dollars in your pocket all of a sudden and you have all these ad opportunities to come to you and you, and you want to enjoy life after all that in that time, that's a very normal, natural thing to do, right? That doesn't make him a bad person. That doesn't make, make, mean that he has bad character. However, it is a learning experience because I think that what's different from this versus any other regular 21-year-old is that you know you have so many people counting on you and you have all this pressure. So I think that when he is ready for that kind of pressure, and then I think we should put it on him. But right now, I think the situation is what it is. But I think part of being ready for that pressure is sort of like, as I think for, for us in the media, but especially for the fans, like I just don't see this need to like root out everybody else, throw them all out so that Scotty can then be the, the man. He's going to be the man when he's ready to be the man. And if you no offense to Pascal and Fred, these aren't the these aren't the greatest players in the world. And we're talking about like you got to beat out Kobe and Shaq to be the number one man. If you can't beat out those guys eventually, then maybe you aren't the man, right? So this is all a learning process. He's twenty one zero, and Masai said he's he's a baby, not in like a pejorative sense, like mm-hmm. in, in reminding us that he's so, still so young. So when we put all these pressures and all these expectations on him, he's got to be ready to fulfill those first. Let him go through this process. We'll see what it, the summer looks like. Masai already said the summer's got to look a little bit different. I don't think he did anything wrong last summer either, by the way. It's just like, you know, again, like players don't get to the highest level without that requisite amount of work. So we'll see what the response is. I believe in Scotty. I believe in, I believe in his talent. I believe in his character. But again, this is a, is a good reminder, I think, more than anything else. Yeah, I think you make a really good point too because we always talk about just like, oh, development, not being linear. And I think that translates to, to off-court as well, right? Um, you, you can look at, you know, how players develop their skills on the court. But, you know, this was also a step back, I think, for Scotty. You know, last year he was, he was a very celebrated player. The team had a really successful season, whereas this year he was under more scrutiny. I think the best thing that can come out of this season is, like, if we look back at Scotty's career, like, three years from now, four years from now, and, and seeing what he was able to take from the lessons that he learned this season, right? But I think mm-hmm. it goes back to me, to the, to the head coach. Like, you know, this is such a player-driven league, right? Like, I think of... The most like the most like extreme examples of like, say, like, you know, Giannis, 
you know, when he, when he started his career, you know, having like Jason Kidd as a head coach and then having different head coaches come in. Like we've seen Luca have different head coaches. Like, I think whatever that next head coach comes in, like, I think if you talk about people skills, which we've highlighted about Nick, I think it's going to be so important about building that trust, building that relationship. And like, not saying that, you know, Scotty didn't respect Nick or, you know, the relationship fractured maybe and all that, but it's like that new coach has to be someone who has a plan for Scotty to, to really get him on that, on that path to becoming that player that we want him to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the most important things when you start looking ahead to who the next head coach is going to be. Yeah. Like, and, and, and you know how this works. Like whenever a coach goes out, the next coach you want to hire someone with the qualities that the outgoing coach didn't have. Right. Sure, Cause those are course. the things that stand out. Yep. And to me right now, just thinking about it, reacting to the news today, I think the people skills portion of it is huge for me. Like I know the X's and O's all of us is very important, Yeah. but I think there has to be a strong voice in that locker room. Just, just to be able to like, build and bring these guys together if these are the guys that are going to come back together. Yeah, and I think that, you know, again, we're, we're, we're circling back on this, but it's very similar to the Masai press conference in, this, in the sense that, like, accountability and, like, um, you know, having these standards and, and, and sort of introducing more discipline, another word that Masai used, is, like, it's a two-way street, really, right? Like, you set the standards as a coach, and they, if they fall below them, you know, there are actions. And if they fall above them, there are rewards. Like, that's just how any sort of organization or any sort of business should really be. And I think that, you know, more than anything else, like obviously there's not going to be a player's coach that comes in after this. You know, it's definitely not going to be like a yes man. You don't want Udonis Haslam as Coach David Thorpe endorsed? We don't want a player coach. (laughs) All right. um, No, but I'm saying that like, you know, somebody needs to come in here and and set that standard, be very clear with it. And again, if players fall in line, then we, you know, we roll forward and we move. If we don't, then we make decisions and we and we ship them out, right? Like how many times do we see this season where it's just like reports, this guy's not happy or this guy's not happy or like, you know, it wasn't really reported and I'm not reporting it here, but I'm just going to let you know that like, you know, players weren't wanting to go at certain points, right? And it's like, man, like can can we first agree to like meet the standards of the job first and foremost before we make these other decisions, right? Before we make these other things? Like I'm, I'm I'd be sick to my stomach if someone was like, hey, man, I'm not really doing my job, but I actually want to leave. I'm like, how about you do your job first, and then we'll figure a way to make, find you a new job somewhere else, right? So, again, like, this this season was was definitely very rotten. We saw it in the results. Um, and, yeah, now that Masai talked about it, now that Masai has created the job opening for the coach, that's what the new guy has to come in. And I think, by the way, to be clear, like, the Raptors actually do have a pretty good job. First and foremost, you're going to get paid really well. Second of all, you have an ex- existing base of talent. I know everyone wants to dunk on the talent. Maybe it doesn't fit well. Maybe it's, it's light on roster shooting. But there's a lot of talent here that you can come and build something with. Like, this is not the Detroit Pistons job, for example, right? And not even just, like, quote-unquote talent as in, like, what could it be 10 years from now? I mean, like, it's, it's talent that is ready to compete this upcoming season. The pressure is going to be to win, right? Whoever comes into the job interview and says winning the most times to Masai Jiri will probably get this job. But, like... There, this is a good job, right? And there are things to sort of, like, value and take from here. And I think, again, like, we saw even last season, this same group, which, by the way, got better because of Yager Proto coming into the, the, the team. Um, like, and, and even just, like, internal development moving forward, like, you would expect that to be the baseline. Not 41 wins. And, like, we're struggling to string together a three-game win streak all season. Right? And, again, so... Um, there's lots of work to be done here, but I think that 
you know, obviously our focus turns to Masai, which turns to the, who the next coach is. And, um, you know, I, I think there is still a lot to be salvaged here. Um, but, uh, yeah, not yeah. a good season, man. And I think that's sort of the vibe of the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think last thing from Masai's presser as well, you know, he talked at several points when he was asked about, you know, building the team back up to a championship level. And he mentioned the parity in the league sure. uh, several times, you know, pointed even towards a Boston Celtics team, you know, when they, you know, building with Jason Tatum. Why would he use that example? And Jalen Brown. <laughs> Off the top of his mind, the Boston Celtics who went to the conference finals, then were 500 for exactly. a while, then went back to the finals. That's interesting. Interesting choice. Yeah. And he called the trade deadline a hype machine, mm. um, says that free agency doesn't really exist anymore because players are dictating their movement yeah, these days. I don't get that. Eh. Free agency and so, whatnot. Sure. But I think, too, this is interesting because there's so much talk this year, too, at the trade deadline of whether the Raptors should have tanked. And, you know, Masai talked again about how, you know, he trusts his front office and their track record in the draft to be able to get the players that they want, et cetera. So I'm not sure this is like breaking news based on what we know, how Masai and Bobby in the front office has operated when they've constructed teams over the past decade plus here. But, you know, there's clearly no intention for them to tear any of this down. And like you mentioned... I don't think that even makes sense based on all the talent that exists on the roster right now. I mean, look, it's it's always an option that you can go to. And I feel like it's probably a viable option for 25 franchises in the league who don't have, you know, Steph Curry on their team, Kawhi Leonard on their team, KD on their team. You could always say that well, this roster is not going to go anywhere until we have the number one guy that can win a championship. You can always say that. You can always dip down to the lottery, and and, and, and that's fair. And I think that that's certainly fair with this one because I'm convinced that none of these guys are going to be championship number ones on the roster currently. Um, but at the same time, I think Masai's perspective on this is to sort of build from the middle. And I think that that's why, even though um, we have free agents, I still think that part of building from the middle is retaining your players, signing them to contracts if they, you know, obviously not just deserve it, but sort of like, you know, the organization sees that they're, they're a fit. Um, and, you know, keeping those guys there. And so therefore when those trades become available, when players ask out, when those top tier, you know, a guy like Kawhi Leonard becomes available, the Raptors wouldn't be in a position to, to trade for Kawhi Leonard if they didn't actually have some of those pieces already on the roster as is. So I, I do think that even having said all this, like the, the, I do anticipate the Raptors re-signing a lot of their players so long as those are, you know, not even just team friendly, but like movable deals, not like clear cut bad value deals. Um, and then making pieces and, and twists and adjustments from there. But uh, yeah, that's that's not a surprise. Like this is how Masai moves. He, he builds from the middle. He didn't rebuild in Denver and he didn't really rebuild here in Toronto. The closest he came to that was when he traded Rudy Gay and he was apparently about to trade Kyle Lowry out the door as well. But of course, thankfully, James Dolan said, I'm good. I don't want to be fleeced by Masai again. You just traded me Bargnani. <laughs> um, and so ultimately that deal didn't go through and the Raptors were able to miraculously sort of bounce back. But from that point onwards, the Raptors have been building from the middle. That's the, that's the perspective that they feel is successful. And listen, if there was one year that we were going to try to duck down into the, the draft, it probably would have been this year, right? Like, you just don't see that many Victor Wamanyamas on earth, period. Although apparently he's got a brother. Oh, that's the Oscar Wamanyama. <laughs> When's yeah, look, he eligible up, for man. the draft? Uh, I think two, three years from now. Yeah, All I think right. he, he's already like six, seven. All so right. that whole Wamanyama family might be doing well. Um, but like, this was the year, but he clearly chose not to, right? He got in a guy like Jacoproto, who, by the way, today he 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 talked about that deal felt fair to him because they see Jacoproto as a, a top 10 center in the league. Called him a championship piece. Called said that, championship he, piece. said that he would fit yep. in on, on any of the contending teams that are playing right now. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. which I don't think he's wrong about. Like, I don't think you're expecting sure. him to be the difference maker, but, you know, Jakob came in and I thought he played really well for yeah, with did. the team. Yeah. And he elevated the team, but like in ways that, again, you know, didn't, you know, matter in the final result. Um, yeah, before we take the break, man, let's just, you know, shout out to Nick too, man. I, I know last, sure. last couple of weeks... You know, all the speculation. It's been hostile on the show, man. It's been hostile. It's been a hostile takeover. It is what it is. But it's like, and then maybe maybe we don't get to it all today, but it's like you zoom out and think about him coming in as a rookie NBA head coach, taking on that position, you know, them yeah. trading yeah. for Kawhi and making things work um, and getting them, helping them to the championship in that first season, right? And shouldn't forget the following season too, how well that team played yep. without Kawhi. That was a team with culture, by the way. Yeah. Because the talent on paper wasn't even good enough to you, have the second best record in the you league. You don't win 15 straight games in the regular season yeah. without that kind of infrastructure that's there. Yeah. That sure. level of championship infrastructure. And, you know, the Tampa season was tough. You could even give credit to him last year as well, right? Like, sure. Like, yeah, you know, with the 48 did. wins. So, really, if you look at it, like, this was the first tough season, and I think it revealed a lot of things, and the team's probably just in a place now where a coaching change does make sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think people are coming away with this feeling this way, but I don't want people coming away feeling no, a particular way about Nick. Like, Nick was a very successful head coach here. Here's the thing. The day you get fired, you only hear about all the things you mm-hmm. did wrong, right? And again, when more times passes, we will think about it much more even. And I think there's obviously lots to celebrate. That's also very clear. His, his, his record in Toronto really is kind of untouchable in a way, right? Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, he moves on. He's going to get another job. You know, I'm sure, uh, you know, Houston has an opening. And, uh, <laughs> wow, this guy just like, why are you saying that so casually? Uh, if he, I swear, if he goes to Houston, there might be more info that comes out. I'm surprised there wasn't a Nick in Houston. Uh, I'm surprised my size presser at 11. I'm surprised a Nick in Houston presser wasn't at 11.05. Uh, they should have overlapped it like the Suns Clippers. They should have had him talking Warriors. back and forth, man. Oh, my God. My like, there's more, there's needs do, to be more accountability. And do, Nick do you think like, there needs to be more shooting. <laughs> Do you think the next head coach will have his own signature Need to let hat? the coach coach the team. Do you uh, think he will have CBC appearances as a police officer? Well, it wasn't just a police officer. He was also a janitor oh, in, that's in the right. 1800s. Yeah. Um, the concerts, all that yeah. kind of stuff. I know. I always thought that extra part of Nick was, was really cool that he, sh- he took us into the rest of his life. I think one of the things, too, that we never celebrate enough is just, like, the work that these people do in the communities and... The Nick Nurse Foundation really did invest a lot in terms of like, you know, oh, no, neo con- no neo concert, no more next neo season. concerts. You know what I mean? We're not hearing that anymore. But um, no, I, I just think that like, yes, there are definitely good things to be said about Nick. But honestly, on the day he gets fired, that's not necessarily the highlight. But anyway, we're going to take a break. I've been your host, Willu. That's Alex Wang. You're listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connext Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Liu. Continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. This is not our usual Friday energy, by the way. 
And also this press conference, we, we could have been dining out on this for the entire week of the program. Yeah, you, you compared it to just pulling like leftovers out the yeah. fridge, right? No, in fact, I'm, I'm anticipating cutting more clips. And when we come back on the air on Monday, us just taking this out of the fridge and reheating it. Yeah, you know whatever I mean? you need, man. Yeah. No, because like, I mean, like we were prepared to come in here and talk about Nets Sixers game three, just the, the game where everyone hits each other in the nuts or like Warriors <laughs> Kings game three where the Warriors finally won and they actually look pretty damn good without Draymond. Not saying that they're better without him, but, you know, still they really rallied uh, or even Clipper Suns, you know, a pretty exciting game. The Suns, are, you know, were unable to really put away a really plucky Clippers team until the very end. Also, Norm had 40. Wasn't ever seen that happen before. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's really impressive. Shouts to Norm. Um, but we had to push all that because, again, like, you know, we had this, uh, this, 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 not even a bombshell. Is this a bombshell? This is a bombshell, actually. You know what? What am I saying? Firing the coach is a bombshell. Well, we were just talking all week, too, about the lack of Raptors coverage. And we were just in, you were speculating every day about this Maasai presser. This is why I was waiting on it because I felt like the other decision, this, like, the Maasai presser was clearly contingent on, on when he was going to let go of Nick. Mm hmm. And yeah, I mean, I know that it was, it, it took, quote unquote so long i mean it really it's only like a week in the in, in the grand scheme of things but obviously we're we're very inundated daily in terms of you know needing more news every single day um but like it it, it like these are tough decisions you reevaluate you meet with people you meet with players um you obviously meet with the coach and you evaluate everything at the very end you make a decision you know and so um you want to talk about who's going to replace nick yeah so you got some candidates there are some candidates, Ime yes. Udoka, so, uh, as you mentioned, obviously. Yes, Ime Udoka is the one that's been brought up the whole time. By the way, biggest winner of this whole scenario, heavy.com. Oh, this, they got the scoop? No, no oh, they, they were Ballpit first on it. Whole time okay, Steve Ballpit right? first. Yeah, yeah. shouts to the Ballpit, man. Yeah, um, Steve Ballpit first. Uh, but no, but seriously, obviously, Ime has been brought up quite a few times. Shams also brought up today um, in, in his column that uh, Raptors, oh, f- two former Raptors, 905 head coaches, Patrick Montembeau, who is currently with the Suns, um, and also Jerry Stackhouse, who has been co- coaching in college, um, will be considered as candidates as well. I'm sure there will be probably some internal candidates. You think they're going to give Griffin one more interview? Um, poor, poor Adrian Griffin, man. No, I have a feeling. I'm, I'm guessing most of the, because this was asked during the presser, too. I'm guessing yeah. most of the assistants are going to be moving on, too. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's interesting because I... Rico Hines is the one because obviously they got the relationship with Pascal. No, but Rico is a development guy. Like, yeah, there's so he'll two, be there. There's two types of coaches, I think. Um, I, I think what's interesting, and I think I brought this up when we when we had the conversations with about the coaching staff earlier, is just like there's kind of a divide. There's clearly people on that staff that are Knicks people. Mm. Like Nick Bjorkren is a Nick person. Mm-hmm. You know, like Fab Flournoy, who they brought over from the BBL, that's a Nick person, mm. right? Um, Trevor Gleason, Nick person, right? Um so, yeah, I mean, expecting all those guys to move on along with Nick. Yeah. What do you, you think? Do you think he's going to bring Nate to the next job, by the way? I think Nate's going to love Houston. I think so, man. Yeah, okay. At least that's what I'm anticipating for the two of us as well mm. um, with your career. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I think Come on, man. it's interesting just hearing the, these early candidates as well because you look at Ime, Ime Udoka on one hand, you know, we know his resume you know, led the Celtics to to the finals. Mm-hmm. Whereas Patrick Matombo, Jerry Sackos, you know, relationship with the organization, but you're bringing in a more inexperienced hand to guide this team. I mean, yeah. that's a big decision for the organization, man, because those are two very different types of coaches. 
to bring in. Yeah, no, I, I suppose. Um, I, I think more than first and foremost, like I think they're going to need somebody who's a stronger personality who can really clearly define what the expectations are for players, put them in those roles, and then you know keep them in those kind of positions. You know, and I think that um, to me, I, I don't really know either of those two guys well enough, uh, Patrick Mutombo or Jerry Stackhouse, from watching Stackhouse for a lot of his career, I can kind of assume what kind of guy he is. So, um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I feel like he fits that mold. I'm, I can see Patrick fitting that mold too. By the way, shots to Patrick Tombo. This guy was like, had a clean-shaven head this whole time in Toronto, and then he goes to Phoenix for one year, and it just like... <laughs> he changed it, up on us? Man, it just all came back, man. Good for him. No, but with Ime too, and I know we only have a couple minutes, and, you know, I'm sure if he is hired as a head coach, we're yep. going to talk about the totality of his departure from Boston, but looking at him as as a head coach, like a potential coach of this team, you know, what are the things that you see him bringing to the table that maybe, again, the comparison is going to be to what Nick didn't bring or what they're looking for in a new head coach? Because uh, we heard a lot of stories about sure. him last year, right? Like in terms of bringing that team together. Celtics players definitely really liked um, him. First and foremost, they were fairly attached. I think they were pretty confused as a sort of why he was moving on, to be fair. Like, it wasn't really reported in a very clear way. And I think for me, that needs to be, first and foremost, the the, the point of clarity that needs to be um, explored by both the Raptors front office and also made available to the media and also through the media to the fan base because I think that there are some pretty um, strong allegations around sort of what he did, and I would love some clarity and some transparency on that. Maybe there's some time for contrition as well. Um yeah, in terms of as a head coach, I think that it was pretty clear. Like, last year, he was yelling at the Celtics every day. And <laughs> and he really got those guys to sort of, like, get out of their own ways and really come together, play defense at a very high level. Um, if he's going to use the same strategy, which is no guarantee, but, you know, a lot more switching defenses, less, like, swarming guys, all that kind of stuff, you know, more accountability on the man-to-man defense, being able to sort of lock guys down. And I wouldn't mind some of that in Toronto. But again, like it's hard to say because it's a completely different roster. And to be clear, Boston had a lot more talent than Toronto does right now. Like the Raptors don't have a Jason Tatum anywhere close to that in, in the roster right now. So, um, of course, there will be decisions made. But, uh, yeah, I think when we hear more news about that or more reporting around that, then we will sort of explore it more. I think it would be a good idea to bring someone in from Boston as well to sort of hear their experiences. But, uh, yeah, for now... Nick is gone. Masai gave another press conference. I, I What would you rate that Masai press conference, man? That's a uh, solid a, 9 out of 10 for uh, me. Oh, I was going to give it 8 out of 10. Okay. Yeah. All right. Pretty okay. solid. Pretty pretty, pretty infatuated with these press conferences. Anyway, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Willu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Thanks to producer and co-host Alex Wong, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.